15 forces will dramatically impact the way we live, work, play, and give in the future. One of the most fundamental ones, I believe, will be strategic relationships. As I've advocated for the past two decades, they're often your most valuable asset as an individual, a team, or an organization. They're also the least often understood, untapped, and undervalued. So let's spend a few minutes together on today's episode of the Curve Benders podcast talking about strategic relationships and what you'll do in the future, where you'll do it, and whom or how you'll do it. Hi there, this is David Knorr, host of the Curve Benders podcast. I'm excited to share insights with you at the intersection of the future of work and strategic relationships. Make no mistake about it, there are a number of forces in the next two decades that will dramatically change the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, and the way we serve others. And I believe there are these relationships that will come into our lives that can change both the direction and destination of where we're headed. Those are the individuals I call curve benders. So in each episode, I want to share with you insights from our research, from our interviews of great guests and their incredible experiences. I want to invite people to share their ideas and examples of not just coaches and mentors, but real curve benders that have had a profound impact on their lives. Specifically, we're going to talk about pragmatic ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, and your behaviors. So let's get started. The Curve Benders podcast is supported by global clients of the NOR Group's advisory, speaking, education, and coaching services. One example is the Gozuera Business School Executive Education Program at Emory University. In market-relevant short courses, certificate programs, and custom programs for organizations, Executive Education at Emory shows you how to turn theory into insights and insights into actions. Their short courses, certificates, forums, and custom programs offer cutting-edge solutions to your toughest business challenges. From design thinking for business innovation to leading and inspiring change, the Gozuera Women's Leadership Forum, and of course, my personal favorite, Strategy Visualization, they'll show you how to go beyond. Learn more by simply searching online for Emory Executive Education. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020, a fantastic uh, new decade and the second season of the Curve Benders podcast. Uh, I'm David Nord, delighted to be back with you. Uh, as you may have noticed in our episodes, I took a little bit of a break during the holidays to spend some quality time uh, with the family, finish the year strong, and really map out my personal goals, strategies, priorities for this new year. And I'm back. I'm back with a vengeance. Uh, we have uh, not been still. I've recorded uh, some fantastic interviews with truly world-class and renowned authors and advisors and speakers and thinkers. And uh, since we were together last, I went to London to the Thinkers 50 uh, global gathering of just some incredible people. We've had several Marshall Goldsmith MG100 gatherings. Some of you may know 
I'm active in, in that community. And uh, many of those folks uh, that I, I genuinely look up to and I continue to learn from on a daily basis are going to be our uh, guests in the next several episodes. And uh, if you've seen the cadence, it's typically two episodes of interesting ideas, perspectives from the Curvebenders book that I'll share. And then I'll bring in a guest and really interview a, a guest with a unique uh, foresight into a very relevant topic in uh, the Curvebenders uh, content agenda direction. As if you've also listened for a while, you know that I'm uh, writing my 11th book titled Curvebenders, and a lot of these topics are encapsulated uh, in the chapters and in the key sections of the book. And some of them uh, I'm really passionate about, and I'm going to talk about more often. Uh, the other thing I believe in is ideas have to evolve. So uh, we'll do certain episodes deeper or in several of the interviews, uh, I've had some really interesting nuggets come out that I absolutely want to dive deeper into. So I may research that particular topic myself and go deeper and do another podcast episode on it or invite that particular guest back just to kind of dive deeper into that topic. So that's a little bit of background. Today's session is focused on strategic relationships. If you know anything about me, if you've read any of my previous books or listened to any of my online videos, you know that it's an incredibly passionate topic for me. And for the last two decades, I've really spent a lot of time thinking about and writing and speaking and educating and coaching uh, individuals, executives, entrepreneurs, small, medium, large enterprises on the fact that your relationships are, I would submit, your biggest asset beyond your educational foundation, beyond your professional pedigree. I would submit the relationships you identify, build, nurture, and never use but really capitalize on become an incredible asset in your ability to learn, grow, uncover new opportunities, find a job, elevate a job or a role, and really drive performance, execution, and results. So there's still, it's amazing, 20 years later, there's still a lot of myths and misperceptions about relationships. Like it's just a soft skill or that person was just born that way. And we've proven account and client after another that it can be a taught skill. And if you're intentional and if you learn, you know, capture the basic skills and then practice those to really gather the knowledge and apply that knowledge into experiences, you'll gain the wisdom necessary to turn everyday contacts into incredibly powerful relationships that will get you, your goal, your aspirations, your uh, it really things you want from not just work but life further than you can ever imagine. So if you don't take anything away from this podcast, I hope you'll go back and listen to some of my previous work on relationship economics, on this idea of intentional, uh, in this idea of being, again, strategic, being uh, very focused, and being quantifiable about the relationships you choose to invest in. So with that background, I really want to turn the lens and the conversation around on this idea of future of work. So if you think about the next two decades of our lives, the next 20 years of how the way we work, right, what we do at work, but not just work, but also the way we play, where and how we play, the way we uh, give to others, the way we live, in essence, future of life is going to evolve 
I think most would agree beyond a, a massive introduction, some would say intrusion, of technology in our lives, I think the way we interact with others will also evolve. So as – think about it. Machines and AI become uh, more prevalent in our lives. What happens to the people we interact with every day? As autonomous cars become more prevalent, I'm teaching my 16-year-old son some final steps. Uh, he's taking, actually, interestingly enough, his driver's license test today. And we were, you're going to chuckle at this because we were practicing parallel parking. Well, our SUV or the SUV that he's driving is about 20 years old, and it doesn't have that automated parallel parking feature. A couple of friends said, just push a button and it will do it for you. And in, in our car and the car he's taking to the test, he actually has to learn how to line the car up and back it in and, and, and maneuver to fit the car into space, right? It's a, it's a lost art in many ways. So think about it. With autonomous cars, where you're no longer having to do that task and it does it for you, would it actually give you a chance to then interact with others in that same vehicle, or will we continue to be busy and heads down in our own world and not really engage anyone else? So I think there's two distinct paths technology can take us. And I would submit a lot of that, as it does today, is going to heavily depend on your lens into the, the really valuable facets of relationships. But if we focus on just work for a second, I want you to think of a, a triangle. And in that triangle, there's three uh, key attributes that I want you to think about. Number one is what will you be doing in the future? So that's actually the, the actual work that you'll be doing. Number two is where will you be doing it? So the physical space, right? Will, will you still go to your office? Will you still go to a high rise? Will you still um, – it's amazing. I was, I was reading some fascinating articles when – you know, we work and these open shared spaces first came out and, 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 and more recently definitive data that shows how distracting that can become and how, uh, you know, less productive and, um, you know, not the benefits just that originally thought were there, just not there. And, and more and more people unfortunately revolting against that and leaving kind of those open office spaces for kind of still more of a hybrid approach, right? So I believe the, 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 the actual workspace where you're going to work is going to evolve. And last but not least, um, combination of uh, how, but also I would say with whom. So think of now the workforce. Think of that ecosystem. Think of are they all employees? Would there be some, you know, how will the gig economy work its way into the enterprise? So that triangle, another way to think about it is uh, work, workforce, and maybe workplace is uh, – I think Deloitte references it that way. And in that triangle, I would submit at the center of it, at the, the epicenter of it in many ways are going to be strategic relationships. The strategic relationships – I'm going to keep reiterating this – that you choose to invest in on any given day. Think about it. You could talk to 100 different people. Which ones? How do you know? And how are you prioritizing – those relationship investments. And by the way, in doing that, are there some that you're neglecting? Are there some that you're leaving behind? So I want to make these episodes, I want to make these sessions practical and pragmatic. So what I've captured are really kind of 10 ideas to think about 
at this, you know, specific to strategic relationships in the future of work. So let me just go through them. I've broken them into three categories, and you may want to go back, and I'll capture some of these in our blog, by the way, uh, on norgroup.com as well. But let me just go through the list. Number one, faint market signals. You've heard me talk about that, is if you want to maximize your strategic relationships, you have to be proactive in keeping an eye on the faint market signals. This past week was the Consumer Electronics Show, arguably uh, one of the highlights every year of what's new, what's trending, what's interesting in consumer electronics. And you, your industry, your job could absolutely have nothing to do with consumer electronics. But in the past, I've taken leadership teams, uh, boards, I've uh, attended several times myself, and it is an eye-opening experience as to what's happening with consumers and really a multitude of electronic interactions. And the reason you should care is at our heart every day, most of us that come to work are consumers. So a lot of what we do personally, think about it, with the apps we use, with our expectations of our Amazon relationships or you know binge-watching on Netflix tend to carry over to our businesses. And we start asking, well, if I can get that order on Amazon by 10 in the morning and have an Uber drive it delivered by 2 in the afternoon, why can't I do that at work? Why can't I do that with some facet of my work environment? So a lot of those consumer trends work their way into the business environment. So number one, faint market signals. CES is a good example. Two, I want you to think about becoming a relevant seeker. One of the challenges with, with market you know, signals is A, they can quickly become just noise. Number two, you kind of miss their relevancy, right? So it's great that people are doing a lot of stuff with drones but if your business isn't relevant to that space, you're going to spend a lot of cycles. You're going to spend a lot of resources and scratch your head where other people are asking, okay, well, that's great. That's interesting. But so what? So the glue or the real aha opportunity is how is that faint market signal? How is that interesting evolution of that technology or how that other company in another industry is doing something? How is that relevant to us? So in Co-Create, I talk about um, Adidas. A fascinating case study example, Adidas uh, working with the local uh, train or rapid transit uh, company to embed train passes in sneakers. Think about it a second. A, you remove the friction of having to get a card or get a chip or get some other way of train passes. B, sensors that as you walk through, pick up the sensor, pick up, right, and charge your account and now you're, it's almost like Amazon Go, right? If you've seen that Amazon uh, grocery store concept of why should there be registers? Why can't I just go pick things, put in my cart and walk out? It, it recognizes, right? Now there's a whole, I'm simplifying it. There's a whole lot of technologies that really recognize what I've bought and they charge my account for it. So opportunities to remove that friction makes that very relevant to that space if I'm in that, that arena, right? So not number one, Identifying faint market signals, faint market signals. Number two, really becoming a relevant seeker. Number three, and I do this with executives that coach, I think it would be, behoove you to go on a listening tour. And by that I mean identify I, – I did this years ago, 30, 35, right? Individual relationships. You like, you respect, and you trust. 
people who don't have an agenda, people who are not trying to sell you something, people who are, uh, you know, genuinely want and have your best uh, intentions or best for you at heart and go ask them, go ask them, what do you believe I do exceptionally well? As, as a friend of mine, Senyan Singh says, what are you, you know, what are my superpowers, right? What do you believe I do exceptionally well? And then where do you believe are my growing edges? Where do you believe I can continue to learn and grow? And you want people in your organization, you want people in your uh, industry, and you want people outside of it. People who hopefully know you, people who've interacted with you more than five minutes, people who sense that, you know what, you're very good at this facet, but you also have a tendency to be short, or you come across as abrupt, or you come across as dismissive. And that can detract others from really seeing the brilliance. So if you rub them the wrong way, it's taken away from the brilliance that you bring to that interaction, that relationship. But if you don't consistently, not once in a while, not once a year, you know, once every 10 years, but consistently be on a listening tour. And I often coach people to listen louder to not just what's said, but what's not said by your relationships about what do they perceive? right? That perception is reality, right? What do they perceive you do exceptionally well? And where do you, they believe are some of your growing edges? So again, a data point for you, when I started the NOR group and really, you know, embarked on this journey to, you know, think and write and speak about, you know, business relationships, my listening tour, the consistent feedback was, you know, David, you network, in their words, better than anybody else we know. If you could teach other people how to do that, you would succeed, and the more I thought about it, the more I, okay, so I do these things intuitively and now here's a process. And that really was, was the springboard for relationship economics and subsequently return in impact and connectability and co-create and all the other stuff I've done. So get on a listening tour, 30, 35 of relationships you like, you respect, you trust that will candidly tell you what you do exceptionally well, what are some of your challenges? So we're talking about, um, 10 ideas to think about in terms of your strategic relationships and future of work. Number one was uh, really identify and be attuned to faint market signals. Number two, become a relevant seeker. Number three, go on a listening tour. Four, seek relationship reflections. Seek relationship reflections. So I'm a big believer of creating opportunities for reflection. But if you think about it, when you do reflection, when you do introspection, that's you by yourself kind of looking at your notes or thinking about what happened and why and how. And that is incredibly important in your efforts to become more self-aware. When you seek to do relationship reflection, you're now getting an outside perspective in. Have you often seen yourself one way and others see you in a totally different, maybe not totally, but slightly different way? Those nuances can be all the difference in the world when we're talking about future of work. So now what you're doing is you're evolving from self-awareness, which is critical. And by the way, Tasha Yurik, I just interviewed Tasha uh, phenomenal in this. She's a, a organizational psychologist. She's written several great books, and she talks a lot about uh, the lack of self awareness in a lot of executives that she works with and coaches, and 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 how to help them become more self aware. This is about transitioning from that self awareness to self improvement. 
So if you're going to continue to learn and grow in the future, creating those relationship reflections, again, doing that introspection yourself, but also finding other relationships that will help you. Here's kind of what I captured. What do you think? Well, what I've observed is you do these things, or that's interesting. That's a different way to think about it. Or, hey, listen, Tom, was it me or was that last meeting really felt antagonistic or really felt like we're butting heads? Or can you think of why that, you know, we went into that meeting trying to collaborate and for whatever reason, it just wasn't working? And again, it's never an attack on the person. It's really the situation or really the scenario or the idea that we're challenging, never the individual, right? So faint market signals, become a relevant seeker, go on a listening tour, seek relationship reflections. The next one is really about team learning. And what I'm learning is, yeah, there's a lot I can learn on my own. Yet, I think you would agree the rate of change, the pace of change moving forward is actually accelerating. So, Forget pace of innovation. Think of pace of adoption, right? So the faster a team comes together from very different walks of life, that's why I deeply believe in this idea of diversity of thought. They can look at the exact same scenario and come up with different lenses, different perspectives, different ideas, different approaches, often to solving that exact same problem. So uh, uh, someone that, that I highly respect, uh, Craig Lamasters, a former CEO, uh, client of mine, he was at Assurance Solutions. He's now CEO of a company called GXG. And, and we're exploring how to work closer together. And uh, what I love about GXG is they've, they've codified this idea of rapid cycle learning. And, and, and Craig often says it's the anti-consultant model. Like, so he often talks about uh, if you want to get, you know, learn how to do something, what better way than to collaborate or, or work with somebody who's done it, right? So I can teach you, you know, how to professionally speak and how to write a book and because I've done it and I can walk you through not some theoretical construct, but here are the five things. Here are the eight things you need to go do. I had a conversation with another good friend that I also hope to have uh, uh, on, on a podcast and and he was talking about you know writing his book and and publishing a book and i literally took him through a 10 step process of here's here's what a literary agent is and here's acquisition editors and so the point is team learning brings unique perspectives to the same challenge same opportunity and they often the right team can often highlight something that might be in your blind spot something that you may have not thought about something that you're not asking about i'm never concerned about the questions i'm not asking I'm always concerned about the questions I don't know to ask. What don't I know I don't know? What questions am I not asking that could um, negatively impact the outcome of what I'm after? So uh, proactively seek, proactively look for opportunities for team learning in very diverse teams, in very diverse types of scenarios. Uh, Next, learning skills (laughs) – You don't know you lack. Let me say it again. Learning skills, often maybe even learning behaviors, you don't know you lack. One of the challenges in the future of work, I would submit is going to be unconscious competence. Think of something you've done for a while and you kind of feel like, well, I know that. Or maybe you haven't done it. You've read a lot about it. Or... 
you haven't done it often. You've, you've seen other people do it. You, you know, you may intuitively, you may intellectually understand it, but do you really understand how to do it? Do you really understand? And unfortunately, a lot of learning environments, a lot of online courses, a lot of, um, Environments we walk into make assumptions about what we know. I'm working with a client that I swear they have an alphabet soup of all the acronyms in their company, right? This is an XJZ4. It's like, whoa, 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 what is that? And because they've been there, you know, their tenure and it's part of their daily vernacular, they assume everybody knows that. So what's important for you moving forward? is really think through this unconscious bias, this, I would say, unconscious competence bias that, oh yeah, I already know that. Do you really? How well do you know it? Would a refresher course be useful? Uh, My son wants to go uh, scuba diving. And we did it in, um, I've I've been PADI certified, just a accrediting body, but it's been a few years. And he also learned how in a, a resort, you know, when they teach you in the deep end of the pool and then you go out to the beach and they take you out on a boat and you do it. But there's some nuances. And by the way, we're talking about your breathing, you know, 20, 30, feet, you know, 40 plus feet underwater. And that's not something you want to play with, right? So, okay, do you remember the steps and do you remember regulators and do you remember all the nuances? And well, no, dad, I, you know, probably not a bad idea to do a refresher course. How many other parts of our lives could that absolutely be true, right? You either think you know it or you may have forgotten it or you haven't really practiced it or you're being pulled in a lot of different directions and we can't remember all of it. So recognizing it, it's okay to go back and refresh and revisit and do a deeper dive and and just kind of bring it more front front of mind. But your learning skills you don't know you lack could be a blind spot, which leads to the next one. Heightened curiosity. Heightened curiosity should be both a a personal mantra, but also something you bring to your team and hopefully in some capacity to your organization. I'm always amazed in conversation. Somebody says, I'm an engineer. And the other person says, okay, great, thanks. (laughs) I don't know about you. I'm thinking, what kind of an engineer, right? Mechanical, electrical, you know, civil or industrial? And and tell me about a, a, a recent project that, that, that you worked on that really challenged you. You have to, and, and what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm fascinated by is that you remember how curious we were as kids? For most of us, you know, why is the sky blue? And why do I have to stay in the lines when I color? And, you know, why do these things work? And you remember our, our why years? We asked a lot of why questions and it fed our natural curiosity. And somehow, some way, as we've grown up, we've lost that. And I'm trying to desperately tell you, in the future of work, if you don't heighten that sense of curiosity, a lot of things are going to pass you by. So at CES, I think it was Samsung just announced an AI engine that utilizes the camera in the uh, your your phone or uh, your uh, uh, device, and you can type uh, uh, like you're typing on a keyboard on any flat surface, and it picks up your finger movement. If you're not curious about how that works, if you're not curious about um, what other implications that type of technology is going to have, think about it. Do we even need keyboards anymore? Can I start typing on my sleeve, 
on, on literally on a piece of clothing? Does it have to be a flat surface? How soon will it be available in the market? These are all attributes that dramatically are going to impact the way you work and how you work and how you get work done. So heightening that, that sense of curiosity will go a long way. Next, pilots and prototypes. I'm often uh, coaching leaders and teams. That's a great idea. I wonder what a pilot would look like. I wonder how we could prototype that idea. I wonder how quickly, inexpensively, could we go test it? I wonder how we could uh, really go try it and figure out, did we make the right assumptions? Did, were we on the right path? Because if you don't pilot and prototype, how will you learn? How will you learn to pivot? And it goes back to reinforcing that learning how to learn is a skill in itself. And strategic relationships can be a phenomenal enabler of that journey, of that process. So pilots and prototypes uh, really reinforce that heightened curiosity, really allow you to leverage relationships to figure out what you don't know. Hey, I need to go find somebody else who's done this or someone who I wonder who else has tried this, both within your team, within your organization, within your industry, outside of your industry. Who else? And Jim Collins often says, we don't ask enough who questions. Who else has done this? Who else do I need to meet? Who else can I go seek, explore, find, collaborate with? Next one, best leaders are great teachers. So if you want to get really good at something in the future of work, the best way to share that really with your strategic relationships, really help them understand, hey, here's something uncovered. I've always believed and we're instilling this in a couple of clients. Um, teach something, learn something. What if that was the norm? What if that was, you know, every Friday for a brown bag lunch, teach something, learn something, right? What a fantastic opportunity to really engage and really nurture those great relationships by teaching them something. By the way, most of us who teach will, will attest to the fact that in an effort not to completely embarrass ourselves on that stage or in front of the room or with that other person, we'll tend to do a good bit of homework. And we'll dig into each topic and we'll come up with lists and come up with checklists and here's my due diligence I've done or here's how I think this group can be better off because of what I want to share with them. So I love the idea that best leaders are great teachers and this will be fantastic for you as you think about strategic relationships moving forward. So very quickly to recap the list, uh, this is a list of uh Really strategic relationship strategies or ideas or perspectives in this future of work. Number one, proactively seek out faint market signals. Two, become a relevant seeker. Three was go on a listening tour. Four, seek relationship reflection. Five, really look for proactively diverse team learning opportunities. Next, what are some of the learning skills you don't know you ha- you lack? Uh, next one is heightened curiosity, yourself, your team, your organization, pilots and prototypes. Next one is best teachers, right? The best leaders are great teachers. So those have been some relationships, strategic relationship ideas I want you to think about. Here's some now action items. So what I want you to take away are five things that I really want you to focus on, five things that I think will dramatically elevate your position. So number one, and and you're going to see a common thread, quality. Quality people, elevate yourself, your language, your image, your gravitas, your market presence, 
you want to hang out, you want to meet, you want to engage, you want to interact with other quality people, quality in their education, quality in their thought process, quality in their problem solving, quality in how they get things done, quality, I would submit to you more so than quantity, will be invaluable in your strategic relationships moving forward. So number one, focus on quality people. Number two, quality events. I didn't go to Harvard. I went to Emory for grad school. Emory in Atlanta is part of something called the Alliance, uh, the Atlanta Business School Alliance, and it's a number of business schools that go in together and have this reciprocal relationship. So I, when I can, I attend the Harvard Business School Club of Atlanta uh, events. Uh, I'm on a couple of boards, so I attend the National Association of Corporate Directors, NACD, events. Uh, you've heard uh, me talk about the Fast Company Innovation Festival. Who do you think shows up at that thing? Renaissance Weekend, Aspen Institute, Milken Institute, Summit in LA, right? These are all examples of quality events where you have a dramatically higher chance of sitting next to, speaking someone in the hallway, uh, having lunch with someone, where you wouldn't meet otherwise. And I'm telling you, in the, in the small world, serendipitous way, I've gone to some of these things and I've met fabulous people that live in a crazy way, five minutes, 10 minutes away from me that I would have never met because we all live in these parallel universes. So action items, prioritize quality people, quality events. Next one, quality community or ecosystem. So events are transactional in some ways, right? You go there, you you know, if I go to this event in LA, I come back to Atlanta, I, I live here, I work here, right? So you have to proactively also either build yourself or proactively find opportunities to get involved with quality communities, quality ecosystems. Many of you have heard I'm active uh, in the Marshall Goldsmith, what he calls the MG100. These are 100 global executives, coaches, um, just fast, you know, uh, college professors, fascinating people that are all successful in their own rights. But it's also an incredibly generous or, you know, team, organization, group. And it's a, a very giving, very supportive, a, very, a phenomenal um, uh, thought kind of uh, partnerships where here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Here's something I'm working on. Would love to have you come do this with me, right? Uh, I've got several clients, typically small organizations. The CEOs are members of the YPO, Young Presidents Organization. Um, As I mentioned, I was in London and attended Thinkers 50. It's the uh, Academy Awards for Management Thinking. But if you you look up Thinkers 50, it's, it's who's who of management thinking. These are all examples of quality communities. One of my mentors, Alan Weiss, has a, 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 a very you know, sharp group of other consultants and advisors that belong to that group in that community. So immerse yourself in these quality communities. And it's not just show up. It's you've got to engage, proactively engage. Next, number four, succinct and focused. You want your relationships to value you and value their interactions with you, number one, enormous value in brevity. Be succinct. Get to the point. Nobody likes anybody else that pontificates. I don't need war and peace. I don't need right all 15 volumes of Harry Potter. I, I just asked you a simple question. There's enormous value in brevity. Be succinct. 
and be focused. I'm coaching an individual and she is, she is brilliant. She is brilliant. She's got a lot of great ideas and great background. She's done a lot of interesting things. The problem is every time you talk to her, you get a new idea and you get a new direction. And, you know, uh, Susan is not her name, but let's just use Susan. Susan, what are you up to now? Well, let me tell you about one, two, seven, and 14. And next time you talk to her, here's the idea. I, I've started capturing it. And I'm like, Susan, if you focused on, let's just crazy talk. Let's say three things. I think you would get further than being distracted by 15. And Susan, in many ways, is rudderless. And that does not bode well with the relationships she needs. Because every time she talks to somebody, they're like, I I don't understand what you do or how you do it. Or what value are you creating for others? Yeah, but I could do this and I could do that. And just fabulous, infectious personality, but absolutely comes across as scattered. So be succinct, be focused. Five, follow through. Follow quality follow through is a process. After you meet someone, you get the cards, right? Did you connect on LinkedIn? Did you follow up? It's very difficult to have any meaningful conversations at these drive-by events. So did you create an opportunity for a follow-up call, follow-up conversation? Hey, listen, I'm coming out to LA. We met at the last summit. I'd love to come get to know you better. I'd love to spend a little more time learning about your priorities. By the way, what's everybody's favorite subject? Themselves. So what a fantastic opportunity to use the new year as, hey, I'd love to reconnect and better understand where are you going this year? If it's appropriate, happy to share with you some of the things I'm doing. Let's figure out if there's opportunities to collaborate. Or better yet, one of my favorite approaches, let me connect the two of you. Based on what I remember about you and this new person I met, I think the two of you would really benefit from getting to know each other. So these were action items. So again, quality people, quality events, quality community or ecosystem, really qualityness in your communication, your collaboration. So you should be succinct and focused and quality follow through. Those are action items that I believe you can implement today that are going to dramatically improve your opportunities to learn about and really benefit from the forces that are going to impact the future of work. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I hope this has been valuable to you. I also am committing to recommitting to updating uh, these uh, episodes on a more consistent basis. And as always, I welcome your feedback and uh, hope you'll continue to come back and learn from the Curve Benders podcast. If you've listened to the Curve Benders podcast recently, you've heard that I'm working on the Curve Benders book. This will be my book number 11 with tools, insights, case studies, examples, interviews, in essence, the knowledge you need to create a personal and professional growth roadmap in this idea of future of work. I'm excited to share key sections with the first 100 participants, so go reserve your spot at norgroup.com today. If you go all the way to the bottom of the page in the get in touch section, just capture somewhere Curve Bender Insights.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Curvebenders podcast on strategic relationships. This topic has been a passion of mine for the past 20 years, and I can't imagine my future of work without continuing to think, research, speak, advise, educate, and coach others to become more intentional strategic and quantifiable in the relationships they choose to invest in. If you'd like references to any of the resources mentioned or the checklist I gave in this session, check out our blog on our website, norgroup.com. I'm so thankful for our listeners on the Curvebenders podcast. I want to keep producing great content most beneficial to your personal and professional growth in this idea of future of work. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on the various social media channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And I'm using the hashtag Curvebenders podcast. So make sure you follow that for all of our latest updates. 